Hello and welcome to OpWall's Field Notes, a podcast created by Operation Wallacea to share stories and insights from our 25 years working in the field. My name is Sophia Wood, OpWall's Country Manager for Ecuador and Director of Friends of Wallacea, and I will be your host for this series. We launched this podcast to shine a light on the world of biodiversity field research and the work of those who dedicate their lives to understanding and protecting our planet. Each month, we have conversations with scientists, community conservationists, and experienced academics about new research, protecting biodiversity, and daily life out in the field. Our guest today is Katie Bell, who leads the fundraising team at Opwall, as well as running our site in Borneo. She originally joined Opwall after becoming passionate about marine science and studying a bachelor's and master's degree on marine environmental science and coastal resource management, respectively. Katie is also Opwall's environmental officer, meaning she works to lower the environmental impact of our daily operations, from offsetting travel to eliminating plastic waste. We invited her on the podcast today to discuss how anyone can lower their environmental impact during the holiday season while still enjoying the festivities. We discussed tips for low-waste gift giving and holiday meals, as well as how to address controversial topics like anthropogenic climate change with friends and family in a sensitive way. As you prepare for this holiday season, take a moment to reflect on small ways that you as an individual can make a difference for the environment. As Katie mentions in this episode, even a small change can leave a positive impact. Hi, Katie. Thanks so much for joining us today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Uh, Since we're taping everything from home, where are you based right now? So I currently am based in Lincoln, um, near to Opwall HQ in Lincolnshire in the UK. Um, I live actually with a couple of other people from the office as well. So it's a bit of an Opwall house. It's a bit of an Opwall city, actually. There's, there's quite a lot of us based here. So it's nice. We all work and socialise with each other and haven't got sick of each other yet. So it's quite nice, really. That is pretty amazing. And it's a very small city. I've been there a couple of times. <laughs> Not quite as small as the town, the village where the Opwall office is. No. (laughs) And the internet is a lot better in Lincoln City, which is also really helpful with the working from home aspect (laughs) at the moment. Helpful to our podcast too. Um, Well, uh, before we kind of dive into the topic for today, I'd love to just hear a little bit of background on you and kind of how you first became inspired and decided to become a scientist and work in conservation. Um, So initially, I wasn't ever really I was quite late into it, I'd say. Um, I remember having a careers lesson at school. Um, So we were looking at doing our UCAS applications, applying to university and doing all of that. And I basically finished mine. I was planning on going and doing a sports science degree, uh, basically because that's what everyone in my family had done. And I liked PE. I was a competitive swimmer back then. So it just seemed like the right path to go down. And then I remember us doing um like a like a session where she asked us to write down what we wanted to be doing in 10 years time and I wrote down that I wanted to be on a tropical beach saving baby turtles which is completely unrealistic obviously but in my head I was like actually I could do something like that I could I could make a difference when it comes to the environment and conservation and that sort of thing which I think is ultimately what I was looking to do so I had a mad panic and changed everything and looked into more sort of environmentally focused courses um, and found a marine environmental science degree at Portsmouth University. Um, ended up going there and the rest was history. And it was super far away from home at the time as well, which was even better. Um, but yeah, that's sort of how I got onto that path. It was quite a last minute change, really. And I'm glad it did happen. 
Oh, that's awesome. Well, I don't want to ask if you were spending all your time on a tropical beach saving baby turtles. <laughs> I know it recently snowed in Lincoln. <laughs> yeah, it did. It did. It's been great. It's been really, really cold. And then today's been so much nicer. It's really strange. <laughs> UK weather never know what's going to happen that's true well I know you're far you're far from baby turtles now but um could you tell us just a bit more about what made you decide to work at Opwell and what your role is at Opwell today yeah so I had actually heard of Opwell um when I was at university they'd done talks at the university and I'd sort of before my third year had been looking into going away and doing research um so I'd looked at going away as an undergraduate for my dissertation I actually ended up going and joining um, something that was put onto my tutor. So I didn't end up going away with Opwell, but I was always aware of them um, and sort of looked into similar organisations. And I liked that research was actually at the forefront of the expeditions rather than anything else. Um, Once I finished my master's at uni, I was sort of struggling to find work in conservation. So I was temping, strangely, as an admin assistant at a company that bought oh they made and sold uh trucks of all things completely like opposite end of the scale um but basically one of the salesmen that was in my office was a birder who worked with a couple of the directors at Opwell they put me in touch um and I ended up getting an interview and it was the rest was history so quite an unconventional way into Opwell compared to a lot of other people um and I initially started off um just as maternity cover as a fundraising officer so that was the main part of my job helping students to fundraise for the expeditions um, which I still do now and is actually probably the favorite part of my job um obviously the expeditions that we run um are incredible and I really rate that they should be open to everyone and shouldn't be limited you know by the amount of money that you have so the fact that we offer full fundraising support to all of those students is another thing that actually made me really passionate about working for Opwell because a lot of the other organisations don't offer that same support. Um, And then from there, I sort of began progressing through into international sales team. Um, So that allowed me to work with a lot of schools around the world and help them with their fundraising as well. And then uh, during my first season, I was lucky enough to be sent to Indonesia. I spent a week in the forest and then the rest of the season at the marine site in Baobao, which was amazing. And then since then, I've been on and managed uh, our project in Borneo, which was brand new in 2019. Um, Such a shame that we haven't been able to get back out there, but hopefully in the not too distant future, we will be back. Um, And then this past summer, I was out in Croatia managing our marine site. So um, it was really, really nice. I think people are quite jealous of us to be able to get out into the field after having a couple of years off. It was it was really good. Wow, what a story. And I guess. You know, it's, it's always interesting to hear how people end up in the position that we're in, obviously, mm-hmm. but also in other companies, because I think more every time I ask that question, you find out that everyone has an unusual journey. Very few people yeah. just kind of like apply for a job and, mm-hmm. and there, um, which I think is, you know, good, good for the people listening who are, you know, early in their careers, interested in going into conservation that like there's so many different ways to end up working in conservation absolutely I think there's so much pressure on knowledge and universities and skills and actually a lot of it is networking just getting out there and experience it and speaking to people and it can come from really unlikely places so yeah I definitely agree with that yeah absolutely I wanted to ask you one more question before we get into our main topic so one of your roles at Apple is also as the environmental officer is that mm-hmm. right so you know, obviously, Opwell in what we do is environmentally focused and when we're focused outward, but your role is also to help Opwell be 
more environmentally friendly internally, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It actually came about, so after I'd been working at Opal for a little while, I actually went back to the company that I was working for before, the one that make and sell lorries, to do a talk to some of their apprentices about how they can be more environmentally conscious, basically. Um, It was really, I went and did it. Um, and uh, one of the directors at Opal heard about me doing that and was like, well, we should be doing similar things. You know, there's always something that we can be doing. So sort of took on that role and started introducing really small things. Um, it wasn't anything major. Everyone was doing pretty good things as we're all quite environmentally aware already that we were able to just introduce some small changes into the office, um, which really helped make a difference, especially when a lot of us are on the road so much. We, we sort of started introducing more reusable products you know, little things like straws and cutlery that then meant that we weren't having to pick them up when we were out doing our tours around the universities and little things like that. So it made it was really small changes, but I think it made a difference. Um, and people were already doing things, but it was nice to be doing them as a team as well. Awesome. Well, that explains a little bit more about why I've asked you to talk about this <laughs> today, because obviously your work with Opwall and I guess previously with this other company has been to work with people on an individual level and corporate level as to have, you know, what small changes you can make in day-to-day life, right, to have a lower impact on the environment. And today I asked you to talk about a really fun and festive topic because of this time of year, a lot of people are thinking about the holidays and especially, you know, with the holidays comes often a lot more waste, especially like paper waste, food waste, yeah. et cetera. Um, and I've often asked myself, and I'm sure a lot of other people have asked how, you know, you can be more eco-friendly around the holidays and have a lower impact. So as we start out, I want to ask kind of what your favorite green holiday tradition is. So I think for us now being in um, a house um, and since being in Lincoln, I was had always as I was growing up we'd always had fake Christmas trees which is great because they're reusable you know and they last forever but I'd always really really wanted a real Christmas tree and I got spoke speaking to um, some of the other people at Paul that also live in the area and they told me about this place and it's basically a nursery that allow you to pick a Christmas tree and you have it delivered and it's still in its big pot and you keep it for the festive period and you get a tray and you just fill it with water so you keep it alive and then it gets returned at the end of Christmas and they replant it and it's such a small thing but it's really lovely because it's meant we get a real Christmas tree and then the next year we can go and have the same Christmas tree or we go and pick another one so this will be my second year of doing it Um, and I picked the same tree as I had last year and it's just really nice like a really simple way of just reducing that waste impact um, and still having a really nice Christmas tradition as well and it's a nice activity going and picking the tree as well so that's an added perk from it as well. That's awesome. I've heard of those kinds of places. I've never found one. Obviously, me here in South America do not have access to a lot of uh, Christmas trees. But, um, you know, when I go back home, I I hope to be able to find a place that's also doing a similar kind of thing. Um, Because obviously, at the very least, trees are biodegradable, but it'd be better to have one. Yeah. Definitely, especially around here in rural Lincolnshire at the end of Christmas, you just see them laying in laybys and by the side of the road. And like you say, it could be worse, but it also they don't need to be there at the end of the day. So any way that we can reduce that is good. Exactly. Well, speaking of that, um, obviously, that's a beautiful tradition. Do you have any other tips for people who want to celebrate the holidays 
and try to minimize their impact on the environment? I think one of the easiest ways to really reduce waste is um, and still enjoy a nice tradition of Christmas is actually being selective about what you use to wrap your gifts with. Um, you can really make presents look lovely and festive while still using things like brown paper with twine. Um, so it doesn't even need sellotape. Um, and even like newspaper as well for wrapping gifts can actually look really cool. I've seen people that have done really cool folding techniques. It's normally on like TikTok or YouTube or something. And then they can incorporate bits of like holly bush or trees in it to add a sort of even more like festive touch, which is nice. Um, I think it's just really super simple way to minimize impact um, while still allowing people to be quite creative if they want to be. And still a nice thing to do in the build up to Christmas. We actually had um, one of the girls at work also use reusable um, Hessian bags, which were really nice. Um, and she uses them each year or even gift bags as well are a nice thing to give people that they can then keep to use for following years as well. And it also saves you loads of money, which is really, really helpful too. an added bonus. And I think like you touched on previously, one of the other big things with Christmas is food waste. It's already huge. Um, and I think over Christmas, it increases by something like 10 to 20 percent, which is just mad. I think a real key way to just prevent this is just being organized and making a list of exactly what it is you need for your Christmas dinner or whatever it is when you've got people around or you're going places um, and really try and overbuying things just for the sake of it. It's really easy to get sort of pulled into these offers that are happening in supermarkets and and all over the place. And if it's not going to get eaten, there's just no point. And also there's so many ways to reuse leftovers now loads of recipes out there um ways to minimize the amount of food um being thrown away so i think they're the two sort of key places and super easy ways just to to reduce waste at this time of year especially yeah those are great i i'm glad you brought up the folding techniques because i was starting to see those places and i think that's such a cool unique kind of fun craft project to just sit and yeah. try to figure out this creative way of folding the paper or whatever you're wrapping it in so that you don't even have to use a piece of plastic or a piece of ribbon or whatever it else uh, it is to close it because it's all it's all possible. And it's a lot more creative and fun yeah. to actually, you know, yeah. on it or um, use something around the house that you're already, you know, that already exists. Absolutely. And I think it adds a personal touch as well. Like if you get given a present like that, it's so much nicer rather than, you know, obviously you can get these lovely gift wraps with you know glitter and bows and things on them but then that's that's the thing that you know then in, impacts on the waste and it's so much nice to have something with a bit more of a personal touch that looks like it's taken a bit more time to produce I think as well yeah absolutely um yeah you, you made me think about one of my favorite holiday traditions with my family which is always to make a turkey pot pie with the leftover turkey in a couple of days after Christmas and so much of the stuff that you end up using you can also freeze and use yeah here or use to make stock or you know even you know use to make a meal for somebody in need don't you know give to a family that you know so there you know there's a lot of stuff that you can do you know one thing that you mentioned I know you know part of this conversation is inspired by an article you wrote for our blog a few years ago which will be on the newsletter and, and linked in the show notes here about having a greener Christmas and one of the things you also suggested as a kind of lower impact uh Christmas gift or holiday gift uh, would be giving people experiences. What kind of experiences could people consider giving as a gift this year? There's so many really great things that people can do. Um, and I actually think an experience is a much more thoughtful gift idea. I, it's something I always really appreciate from people. There's so many simple things like restaurant vouchers or even cinema tickets 
um, memberships to different places like galleries or museums. Um, concert tickets are brilliant as well, especially if you've got a local venue. It doesn't even have to be a big band or, or singer or anyone that's coming along, just the experience in itself, offering to take someone to a concert and for a couple of drinks beforehand or for dinner is just a really cool thing to do. Also, you can even come up with your own idea. We had a really good, um, we had a, we basically do Secret Santa within Upwell HQ each year. And one year someone made their Secret Santa an at-home escape room. Um, and they set it all up for them, invited a load of people around to complete this escape room. And it was just really cool and it was really unique. And it was something that the person that received it was, they were notoriously very good at giving gifts. So I think there was a lot of pressure on what to get them. So they wanted something unique and special like that, which was cool. And I think they you can literally download kits for these sorts of things um, online. And it doesn't really require a huge amount of effort at all, but still really unique and thoughtful. So stuff like that, I think, goes down really well. Yeah, I love that. And I, I love to get and give experiences. <laughs> I feel like, you know, with most things, you will eventually outgrow them. They will break, you lose them, what, whatever it is. But with experiences and sharing things with people you really care about, you, you never forget and you have a lot more, you get a lot more out of it. Um, and I think, of course, especially this year with, you know, we've been in and out of lockdown for a long time, people have been separated from loved ones. It might be all the more special to get to spend some quality time with people you care about that you might not have seen for a long time. Um, and actually, I was going to say, like, there's even virtual experiences now, right, that you can do at a distance that cooking classes and stuff like that, that I think are, are really fun. Absolutely. And even if they're not available, there's something you can create really easily. It's something, especially within doing the fundraising stuff at Opwall, I've noticed people coming up with really ingenious ways of raising money, but it doesn't even have to be a way to raise money anymore. It can just be a nice thing to do, to do a cocktail making session with your friends online or something, or, you know, cheese and wine night, or I realise a lot of them seem to be revolving around alcohol, but, um, you know, there's loads of things that you can do online or virtually, like you say, that are, are great. Um, so yeah, definitely agree with that. I was going to say last year, I, I gifted someone a, a pasta making class online and we did it with like in this Italian villa. And it was so cool because it was, you know, yeah. never learned that skill at home. Otherwise, what we were in our own kitchen, all the ingredients from the local grocery store, you know, all together probably cost mm-hmm. 20 pounds. Yeah. Um, and, it's, and it was really unique to get to spend the whole afternoon together and then obviously get to eat the meal. Um, definitely definitely. I love that idea yeah that was really fun Um, all right well I know obviously it's really fun to think about things that we can gift people but also I know that holidays for lots of people can be really stressful especially thinking about what you're going to give to people spending money spending a lot of time around family and it can feel like there's just a lot of effort that goes into the holidays already Um, Mm -hmm. and so you know to be able to then think on top of that how to give gifts creatively or celebrate the holidays Um, in a creative way that has a lower impact on the environment. So I wanted to ask you, you know, do individual actions really make a difference in decreasing waste around the holidays? Like, is it worth the effort, I guess, for people to think about these things on top of everything else that's already going on? I think they really do. And I think it's very common, especially in young people now, to feel really incredibly overwhelmed by everything that is happening in the world at the moment, especially when it comes to climate change and declines in biodiversity around the world. So you almost get pulled 
into sort of a sense of, well, what's the point? What difference can I make? Well, I think I've had it before. It happens to everyone. Um, but really, the smallest changes can add up. Um, and the more people that do it and the more people that make these small changes, it really equates into such a bigger thing. People might not be doing it this year, but if they see you doing it, that might inspire them for next year to use less wrapping paper and and come up with some different ways of wrapping gifts or to gift that experience rather than a physical object that they're you know like you said they're going to lose interest in so it all has a knock-on effect I think ultimately and really is important just to to make those small changes if that's all you can do for now that's better than you were doing before so that's all we can ever ask I think of of ourselves. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And uh, I am a huge believer in small incremental change. Also, you never know when you might start a brand new holiday tradition by you know, doing one of these things that that actually creates a happy memory for you and your family, your friends that, that are a part of it. So, so speaking of small in- incremental change, as I said, I, I really believe in the power of kind of making tiny changes in our daily lives to minimize environmental impact. But, you know, sometimes it can feel really overwhelming, as you said, and, and that, you know, we're, we can never do enough. But I, I think, you know, even one tiny thing makes a difference and those can add up over time. So obviously, you know, beyond this holiday, we're coming up on the new year. Um, what is one small change that you've committed to making for next year or even starting this year? Yeah, so I think, like you say, it is those small changes that make a difference. And one of the big things I've noticed since moving out and living in in my own home has been how much waste is produced through little things like cleaning bottles um, and that sort of thing. So I've been really trying hard to find alternative solutions. And it's something that we had already started doing in the Opal office as part of sort of my environmental officer role. So little things like package-free laundry pods, refillable bottles, all of those sorts of things. And there really are so many options out there now, especially, and it really makes such a difference. I've noticed such a difference with how much I'm throwing away. Um, And I think there's a real misconception with it that it's a more expensive way to do things. Um, I've actually found that sort of there is an initial upfront higher price potentially, but then the actual bottles last And you end up saving yourself loads of money because the refillable options are often cheaper than buying a whole new bottle of something. So it actually works out really well. Um, And they also often contain ingredients that are much less harmful to the environment, which is an added bonus there. Um, So that's sort of something that I'm still committing to doing. And there's still things that I use that I don't want to use and I want to try and find alternatives for those. Um, So that's sort of something I'm, I'm trying to work on now. That's awesome. Well, that's perfect. And, you know, I completely agree. I'd, I'd, Similarly, I feel like especially every off-ball season pushes me to be a little bit better and learn a way to be better about those things. And I remember, you know, when I first cut all the plastic out of my shower products or hygiene products, mm-hmm. that felt really, really challenging to look mm-hmm. for options. But now it's just part of my routine and I can look at other things that I can say. Um, and so, you know, and it seems really small at the time, but each one ends up adding up. So I do have another question that's maybe a little bit trickier because obviously, you know, part of the stress of the holidays can sometimes be like the tension of being around friends or family that disagree about things like politics, social beliefs, how to celebrate traditions as times are changing, et cetera. I think a lot of people end up having hard conversations with family or avoiding hard conversations with family over the holidays as they're all together. 
Do you have any suggestions for how people can effectively and sensitively address issues like climate change and human impact on the environment with their friends and family this holiday season? Yeah, I think I completely understand people's anxiety, especially if they've sort of got their own lives and going back to family and friends, if you don't have similar you know, opinions. Uh, but I think it is also really important to have these discussions with family um, and friends. Uh, but understand that it's often the last thing that people really want to deal with, especially around Christmas. So no one really wants to have confrontation, especially at that time of year. And that's completely understandable. I think something I've learned is it's really important to just hear people out, even if you disagree with what it is that they're saying and their opinion. Just allowing them the time to voice what they think before offering any alternatives can really help to make it a more productive conversation, I think, rather than turn it into, you know, a shouting match across the dinner table with each other. Um, even something really simple, like just bringing up an article that you've read or a news report about climate change or the environment in some way can just get the ball rolling to open that discussion in a more in like a less aggressive way, really, and make it more of an open discussion. Um, you know, people have opinions and, and they're welcome, they're open to have them, you know, that, that's part of life. But we can still try and um, instill a little bit more knowledge into them in a, in a subtle way. Uh, and I think that's something is just making sure that people know that they're being listened to first is, is a really key thing with that. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Kind of do it out of love and do it, you know, knowing that it might not get the response that you're hoping for. Um, but also knowing, obviously, that, you know, the close conversations between friends and family are often what do actually eventually change people's behavior. Also, modeling that behavior can help, you know, if you are a vegetarian, like making a delicious meat-free opportunity, you know, meal as a part of the holidays is a way to include everybody in it rather than making people feel excluded. Absolutely. It's not something that we want to be, you know, you don't want to be forcing it down people's throats at all. You know, you want to, like you say, subtly be including those things and just making them aware of what you're doing and what they could also be doing. It's, it's, a, it's quite a nice way of doing it for sure. Awesome. Well, to end, I mean, obviously this has been a pretty positive podcast. We're talking about holidays, something that people are happy to talk about. Um, but obviously it, it still can be a difficult and sensitive subject. But so to end us out on a, on a positive note today, um, I wanted to ask you why you personally believe we should keep fighting to protect biodiversity and prevent climate change and really what gets you out of bed in the morning? I think having sort of firsthand seen the impacts of climate change, both, you know, on OPFOL expeditions around the world and also here at home, um, I'd hate to know that future generations won't have those same experiences that I've had. Um, one of my actual favourite parts of working for Opfol and sort of in conservation is giving young people and students um, the opportunity to see some incredible, amazing things all over the world and contribute to sort of protecting those habitats. Um, it's not even just the opportunity to see, you know, amazing wildlife, but we often get students who arrive on site who are really shy and intro introverted um, and after just a few days completely come out of their shells after you know getting involved in surveys with scientists and local staff members um, and I'd hate to think that we wouldn't be able to continue to provide these experiences in years to come so that's something that I'm quite passionate about and why I really enjoy my job. Oh, I love that that's a great way to end and I hope I hope we can keep doing the same and giving people the opportunity to see the world and enjoy it for a long time and through this holiday season too. 
I hope we can have you back on the podcast in the future to talk more about Indonesia and Borneo. Um, it was fantastic to talk to you today about the holiday season and what you can do to make the holidays just a little bit greener. Thanks so much for your time, Katie. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for tuning in to Opwal's Field Notes. We hope you enjoyed this festive episode about making the holidays just a little greener with Katie and that you'll be inspired to make small changes in your own home. From everyone here at Opwal, we wish you a very happy holiday and look forward to seeing you in the new year. Please do be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts to stay up to date on new episodes about conservation and biodiversity hotspots around the world coming soon on Opwal's Field Notes.